0: Thanks for that, Polly. While keeping me company, until 7 o'clock tonight, my panel, got Matthew Goodwin, who's the author and professor of politics at the University of Kent. Also, a former advisor to Boris Johnson and now Conservative Life Peer, Daniel Moylan, and the political commentator, Emma Bernell. Now, you know the drill on Tubes and Co, don't you? It's not just about us here. It's about you at home as well. What is on your mind tonight? I've got to say, I do love you guys. You are not backwards and coming forwards. My inbox is on fire already. Lots and lots of strong opinions from you guys coming in. Bit of a mixture of views, I have to say. I asked you earlier on uh, if I was wrong in your mind when I'm saying that this, to me, is all a bit of a witch hunt I've divided you. Some of you people say yes, um, I am absolutely wrong. Some, though, agree with me. Get in touch with me and let me know your thoughts tonight. You can email gbviews at gbnews.uk. You can tweet me at michellejubes or at gbnews. Don't forget, if you haven't already, you can subscribe to us on YouTube, download our app, or if you're desperate to go out to the shops or something right now, worry not, you can take me with you on radio. We are on DAB+. We're everywhere. That's the short version. Right, so it's begun, hasn't it? All these emails absolutely flying and flying in. Uh, Bill, by the way, saying, Michelle, modern politics is driven by a 24-hour media. He's basically blaming all of this on (coughs) the media. What do you think to that? Um, The reason we're discussing this, of course, this whole kind of Boris Johnson thing, is because as we speak, what time is it now? Eight minutes past uh, six. That means it's begun, apparently. The secret ballot has started in about two hours or so. We'll find out whether or not the Conservative MPs still have faith in Boris Johnson as the Prime Minister. Now, sometimes, I've got to say, I think we're all a bit guilty of just assuming that everyone kind of knows everything that's going on and how everything works. Um, I don't want to do that on this show, so let me just take a brief moment just to kind of recap where we are. Uh, Starting initially with the process, because you will have all heard by now that, you know, these letters have gone in and here we are. Well, what does this all mean? Uh, One of the key things that I want to point out is that all of this is going to be decided by Conservative MPs. So this is not the opposition uh, or anyone else, kind of. This is purely Conservative MPs. They're sending their letters into Sir Graham uh, Brady, who's the head of the 1922 committee. If you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, what is the 1922 uh, committee? Well, it's a committee that meets weekly and it's supposed to keep the Prime Minister in touch with what the rank and file of the party think. Uh, 54 letters expressing no confidence in the Prime Minister are needed to trigger a vote. Uh, Sir Graham won't say how many is actually received. It's all a little bit secret, Um, as is the voting that's happening now. So where do we stand with all of this? Well, for Boris Johnson to win, half of the sitting Conservative MPs, plus one need to vote against Boris Johnson. So that would be a total of 180. So, there you are. You're up to speed a little bit with the process. I hope that's kind of made it all a bit clearer. Uh, Our reporter, Paul Hawkins, is at Downing Street right now. Uh, Paul, good evening to you. Just tell us a little bit, uh, the bunting back uh, in the background there. Love it. What's going on? What's the mood like there?
1: Yeah, the mood here amongst the journalists, uh, Michelle, febrile, I would say, lots of anticipation about the vote that's currently taking place and the uh, result later and what it means. In terms of what's happening just behind me at the moment, they've been uh, having a meeting about the Commonwealth Games representatives uh, from there, and that's who's coming out of the door behind me. Certainly not Boris Johnson. Earlier we were hoping he would make a brief appearance to welcome the Estonian PM. Uh, She turned up uh, and basically stood on the doorstep by herself. The door opened briefly, and then she gave a brief wave to us journalists and then walked inside. So we haven't seen Boris Johnson. He's been keeping a low profile. But as you say, he has been holding that meeting uh, with MPs prior to the vote, trying to convince them to back him when they do come to vote. That meeting lasting 27 minutes. And during it, he uh, talked about uh, his achievements so far, talking about the vaccine rollout, also about the furlough scheme for supporting workers and businesses during the pandemic. And he said that if they stick with him, he's going to lower taxes, uh, lower crime, etc. And also rebuild trust. And that was an interesting point that was put to him by a frequent critic of the Prime Minister. During that meeting, Mark Harper, um, who uh, said that Boris Johnson... uh, He asked Boris Johnson why changes were made to the ministerial code. Uh, and said that the Prime Minister is asking him to defend the indefensible. Uh, The Prime Minister replied that he believes he can rebuild trust if everyone moves off this subject that the media care about, alluding to that text message that you were uh, talking about, uh, or was it an email, whichever it was, from that uh, viewer, uh, saying that it's only the media that care about this story. We'll get to find out what the voters really think about it when we get to the two big by-elections at the end of the month in Wakefield and Tiverton and Honiton. The polling there suggests at the moment that the Conservative Party are heading for defeat and presumably the Prime Minister will win this vote this evening. He's safe for a year. There were warnings from Andrew Bridgen, most notably the Conservative MP, that they could change the rules, so that year's immunity that he gets may change. They threatened Theresa May with that rule change uh, when she was uh, Prime Minister and that could happen again with the Prime Minister. So he's safe for a while should he win that vote tonight but after the by-elections on the 23rd of June it could all be up in the air again.
0: Paul, thanks very much for your insights. Uh, by the way, did I just say that 180 people need to vote against uh, Boris Johnson? If I did, I was uh, I don't know what I was talking about there. It's 180 uh, people need to vote in favour of him for him to uh, remain. now. Um, I'm going to start with you, young man, to my right, Daniel. um, I suspect I might know the answer to this. Um, In fact, actually, I was about to preempt what you think, but I want to pick up on the central point, because I do. I blame the media, Daniel, for a lot of this. Um, And yes, I do say that with a straight face, knowing full well that I work in the media, but not all the media is the same. That's my kind of of get-out-of-jail-free card there. But I think there's just been a concerted... Effort, a witch hunt, you've had people like Dominic Cummings. You know, our guy there just mentioned almost like a a febrile um, uh, environment outside of Downing Street. It's all got a little bit ridiculous, if you ask me, but where do you stand on it?
2: Well, I mean, there has been an absolutely unprecedented, sustained media campaign against Boris, but, of course, the the, 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 the gatherings should never have taken place in in the first place. Admittedly, Boris wasn't at most of them and he's only been found to have done the wrong thing at one of them. But it, it, was, it looks bad and a, a lot of people were offended. And, mm. and, and he's apologised for that, but it still looks bad. And the initial handling of the revelations uh, was not absolutely brilliant at the time. Um, there are a lot of people, very powerful people in many cases, who have never forgiven Boris for, delivering, for, for winning Brexit and then delivering it. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I've no doubt at all that there is a degree of organisation behind this. Dominic Cummings himself, who comes from a different political perspective to that, um, has made it absolutely clear that he's engaged in a sustained campaign to remove the elected Prime Minister. Um, So there has been... On the other hand, if you say is it a coup, the MPs who are voting today don't appear to be very well organised. In fact, they don't seem to... Have a clue what is what they're going to do next if they actually win this vote. Or if they lose it, they don't know what they're going to do. So they don't seem to be very well organized at all. Um, so um, I, I think it's you can uh, it's it's an exaggeration to describe it, if you like, as a as a sustained coup, but there's certainly an element of that to it.
0: Well, yeah, because that's a question that I am actually asking tonight. Um, Emma, you know, to me, this does feel almost kind of Cool-like. It's, it's full of kind of self-serving interests, uh, different agendas. I don't believe that a lot of what, what's going on at the moment is because people are sitting there thinking what's in the best interest of the electorate. I think people are desperately trying to grab their own power, serve out their own agendas, etc., etc. Where do you stand on it?
3: I mean, I'm not here to be massively complimentary to Conservative MPs. Um, go on, so <laughs> i a, a night off. Go on, go for it. But I, I, I honestly, I mean, in 2016, there was what was nicknamed the chicken coup against Jeremy Corbyn when his MPs did organise and turned against him. This might be the headless chicken coup. Um, that is exactly what they're acting like. There is no, it seems to me, one group of MPs that have got together and said, right, we want X to change other than we want Boris to not be in charge anymore because he's an embarrassment to our party and we think he's going to lose us a lot of voters at the next election. Um, That seems to be the only consensus in the Conservative Party that I can find and even that, I don't think he's going to lose the vote tonight, so that's not a consensus in the Conservative Party, however much it may well be a consensus among current or former Conservative voters. Matt, your
0: thoughts?
4: Well, I think if you're supportive of Boris Johnson and you see him as being, you know, the guy that delivered Brexit, I think one of the frustrations that has run alongside that is the fact that he's also not really delivered, since coming to office, many of the policies that those voters have also wanted to see. So, you know, levelling up, immigration, um, issues around, you know, sort of pushing back against kind of uh, institutions, reforming... Uh, uh, media, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, and that's made it harder, I think, today for Boris Johnson's supporters to come out as strongly as they might otherwise have done. For example, I've had WhatsApps today from Red Wall MPs who have said, look, it's it's quite difficult to to go out and defend Johnson um, because the policies and the substantive stuff just hasn't been there and Brexit was was quite a long time ago. And I think that's also really playing into this, I completely agree with the point about the lack of alternative. I mean, if you look at what the rebels are proposing, it's essentially just get rid of Johnson. There is no mm. coherent alternative coming through. And I think, actually, let's see what the numbers are like at 9 o'clock, but I think they've moved perhaps too early. You know, there is a view that perhaps they should have waited until after the by-election. Yeah, and this is one of the um, things that
0: I want to come to a little bit on uh, later on in the programme in terms of the timing and is this the right timing or not. But for now, let me just you up on something you said then in terms of people say oh it's really difficult to support boris johnson because he's not delivered on his big agenda i.e levelling up and stuff like that you know surely though there's a, a straightforward pushback to that which is how on earth do you level up a country when for a couple of years of it pretty much there or thereabouts the country's been shut after that, you've then had uh, a war on European soil. I mean, come on, the guy is not... Uh, he's got hands, not sure. You can't. How How is he going to fix all sure. of that? Sure,
4: but l- let's step into the right of the party for a second. Through all of that, he's also expanded the size of the state massively, uh, has raised taxes, uh, not, not slashed them, has increased levels of migration through a much more liberal regime in many respects. And I'm sure there are many people watching this show who think, you know... I loved what Boris Johnson did on Brexit. He saw it through, he got it done. But he's also, beyond that, not really done too much... Uh, that really speaks to me and my values since coming into office. And I think Johnson could have played this. You know, he got a really good set of cards in 2019. I think he could have played his hand much better for his supporters than he has done. Now, of course, on the other side today, you look at the polling on whether he should go or not. Most 2019 Conservatives today still say he should stay. They're still willing now to give him another shot and say, look, just just turn it around. And apparently he's gone into the MPs this afternoon and said he wants to, you know, slash tax and, Mm. you know, slash regulation and get back to what he was all about. Are they going to give him another chance? I mean, that's, you know, the million-dollar question. Is it too late for him? It could have been a lot easier had he brought these policies in a lot sooner.
0: Wow, I've just heard in my ear, ladies and gentlemen, I've just said something very exciting. Apparently, get this, I hope you're seated. Ready? we've got apparently alive into the window <laughs> oh everyone look at that i literally just had that told to me that is the window into the 1922 committee
2: very where the vert
0: is happening <laughs> i mean I, i'm not quite sure what to say to that um but i was Very asked nice to window. um show you well, you're
2: just lucky that. none of the stonework is i mean look
0: like. at that window i mean i'm looking at that thinking to myself a few things i think first and foremost that needs a you need some curtains on there and then i think you'd probably want to clean the brickwork stone yeah is it stone
2: yeah
0: well anyway there you go if you're sitting at home thinking to yourself i am desperate desperate to see the window of the room that that vote is taking place in. Well, there you go. Uh, I've delivered. Right, uh, you were just mentioning what Boris Johnson was saying about uh, in his letter to MPs, and he was indeed, Emma, he was saying things like, we will cut the costs of government, we will cut the costs of business, and we will cut the costs of families. Uh, that Surely, he's, I think he's misdone a bit of a typo there, because I'm reading this verbatim, it says, we will cut the costs of families up and down the country... I think he means the cost to the families, but you get the point. So he's talking tough, Emma. Uh,
3: He is. And Boris is very good at saying one thing in the moment and another thing in another moment. We we can probably all remember his other phrase about business that I'm not probably allowed to say on the television at this time of day. Oh, the one that starts with an air? That one, yeah. Yeah. Um, But he makes a lot of promises does our Boris. Um, he's not very good at delivering them, not least because he'll make completely opposite promises to opposite groups of people. And this is the problem. I think he's delivered the thing he was elected to deliver on, which was Brexit. And now he's just floundering. He's lost. He's complete. And I think part of the problem he's got is that what is the Boris agenda if it isn't delivering on Brexit? And now that he, he and the country feel that Brexit is done, now we can argue semantics about that till the cows come home, there is a lot more to be done about building what the post-Brexit Britain looks like. But I think the idea that get Brexit done has been done. I think the country would agree that with that phrase, whether you're for or against it, you can think that Brexit is pretty much done. So What now? What's he for? And this is but, the thing, I don't know what Boris Johnson is for. But isn't,
4: isn't that question actually about the party, not just Johnson? I mean, isn't the problem for the Conservative Party that they've inherited mm. this post-Brexit following, right? Lots of people who are so sick of the system, sick of the media, sick of politics, sick of uh, the way things were done before 2016. And the Conservative Party doesn't really know what to do with those voters. So you've got the sort of economically, socially liberal Southern MPs who are clearly agitating to move... Uh, remove Johnson. But then you look at the successors and you think, well, Jeremy Hunt, uh, Liz Truss, uh, are they really going to actually carry a lot of voters who rallied around Boris Johnson? So isn't the problem actually not really just about Johnson, it's actually about the philosophical disconnect between the Conservative Party and this new electorate that's come around. uh, uh, And the the difference
3: in those two electorates, they just don't fit together as as puzzle pieces.
2: I don't think there are two, there are multiple electorates. But I think Matt's made a very, very good point. I, I always regarded Brexit as a very dramatic, almost revolutionary act and it came at a time when the, the, the range of discussion of political discourse had shifted from the old discussions about, you know, between free markets and socialism and you sat somewhere on that spectrum um, over to something that was uh, very, very different, about control, identity and things like that. People want to talk about that. And and the Labour Party made a a fist of trying to come to terms with that, failed at it totally, and their punishment was the 2019 um, general election. They might now make improvements, but that's where they got to. The Conservative Party never had to come to terms with it properly because they won the 2019 election. They've got 80 seat majority. Why do we need to think about where we sit with the voters? But but this, I think, is, is partly at the bottom. If you read... Jesse Norman's letter that went around on Twitter this morning, and he's a very thoughtful man. A lot of his complaints about Boris are basically, I don't like talking about things like this. I don't like talking about immigration. I want to get back to the things I like talking about. But I'm sorry, there is no going back. You've got to be where the voters are, talking about the things they want. And I think Matt has a point. The Conservative Party has to work this through and should be doing it, ideally, in a less violent and... Into Nissan fashion.
3: Mm.
4: Well, I mean, one of the things that we're probably going to see if they do go back to what I would call a continuity yeah. Cameroon candidate, who perhaps takes us back to 2015, is they're going to have another big problem on the right. Yeah, you know, absolutely. and that will be the legacy of, of this. What's a continuity
0: Cameroon?
4: A continuity candidate. Cameroon candidate is somebody that hasn't grasped the fact that politics Jeremy has Hunt. fundamentally changed since 2016. So it's somebody who is economically, socially liberal, who's a little bit you know, globally-minded, internationalist, represents about 14% of the country and doesn't like Brexit and doesn't like anything that's happened since Brexit uh, and wants to go back to the era of David Cameron and George Osborne. Now, that is not a viable way forward for the Conservative Party. The only way forward for the Conservative Party now is to double down on the very people who put Johnson into power with the biggest majority since 2019. Now, who's going to do that? I don't know, but that is ultimately the only way forward for well, the Well, you've you just
0: raised a good point and one that I'm going to come to uh, a little bit later on in the programme because it's all well and good, isn't it, all these people sitting here and saying, you know, uh, get Johnson out, get Johnson out, get Johnson out, full stop. But what next and who next? It's about half past six now. Uh, the votes, the confidence votes, are underway. Should Boris Johnson stay or should... He? girl, Lots of divided opinion. I can tell you. Esther says, Michelle, I beg you to read this out as I need the Prime Minister to hear that I 1,000% support him. You're not messing around, Esther. It's been nothing but a a bash and bring down Boris media campaign since Brexit. That's Esther's view. Um, Someone else says this is all about reversing Brexit and we all know it. Um, Vince says the media are the only people in the UK that are interested He will not be ousted, that is obvious. Uh, Mandy says I do not think it would be in the country's best interest Uh, if he goes we're barely keeping our heads above water, making changes now, could complicate matters, doing more harm than good, this is not the right time. Elizabeth says I agree with you Michelle. It's a witch hunt, mainly uh, led by Remainers. And the reason some things uh, that Boris promised hasn't been done yet is because of things like the pandemic. I agree with you. That's what I was just saying to Matt when when Matt was saying um, people are frustrated that he hasn't delivered some of his policies, I don't know, like levelling up or whatever. How can you level up a country when it's been pretty much closed for the best part of two years? And then, once you've gone from that, you're straight into uh, getting yourself involved in a war in Europe. Um, What was you saying, by the way? Emma, um, I heard you saying something when I was just reading out that he's not going to get ousted. and Didn't I hear you
3: mumbling something? I'm, I mean, I'm always muttering something. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, I don't think he is going to get ousted, but I don't think that means it's the end of the story. I, uh, I think this is the problem. Um, in many ways, if people really want this to end, it should end with get rid of Boris, because that turns the page. But I don't think that no, that starts, page that's the either. I don't starts. think there is, to yeah, be honest, an end in sight
0: either way. But, but when you say, because Daniel's quite right, you're saying, oh, you know, this kind of it ends the whole situation. It doesn't, because once Boris goes... And, again, I'm trying not to jump the gun, everyone, because I'm supposed to be coming to the, you know, the what next and the who next uh, towards the end. But getting rid of Boris Johnson, that's not the end of everything off we go No, into, no, I, 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 I agree with you. I,
3: say, I don't see an end um, to this. I think... I, I don't think... That there is a good outcome for the Conservative Party at the moment. I don't see how they come out of this less damaged than they are Mm. uh, now. And that's the problem. There is
2: a good outcome. That is, Boris Johnson wins the vote, and all of these disgruntled MPs say, We've lost a democratic vote. We're going to support the Prime Minister. A party that sticks together in this country survives. A party that constantly has arguments amongst itself fails. And, and there is a good outcome.
3: OK, Daniel, no, win, I don't think there's a good outcome on. that's going to happen.
2: Uh, well, <laughs> it could happen if they have some sense. Now, does that mean they will win the next general election? I don't know. I don't know if the, if the Conservative... I think the Conservative Party still has every chance of winning the next general election, but uh, there's no guarantees in this, but there's a great deal more chance of winning the next general election if the party sticks together, rather than carrying on with this and, 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 and just saying, well, we lost the votes and we'll have another go, we'll have a different way of going at him and we'll keep it going and going because and going. I think human nature
3: works that way. Yeah. I think once people have made their mind up and gone on television saying what their mind is, they're not going to go, um, go well, quietly. You know, Neither Boris nor his opponents are going to go th- quietly. These are
2: MPs. They've all been elected to the House of Commons. Not one of them, when they won, sometimes by just a few hundred votes in a general election, turned around and said, I don't feel I've really won, I think really the the opposition won this. No, they didn't. But I think... You You win a democratic vote by whatever narrow margin it is and... And 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 everybody accepts the result. Mm. That's how it works.
3: They're in the House of of Commons, not the House of Common Sense, mate.
4: But everything's (laughs) going to depend on the margin of the victory this evening. I don't think that. I think think Boris Johnson, in order to be safe get through the by-elections, which are going to be difficult over the next few weeks, and through potentially a difficult summer, he needs to be able to turn around and say, I got a really strong mandate, I got 70%, I got 80% of MPs backing me, what the problem he's going to have is if he comes out this evening with 55%, 60%, mm. MPs are going to say, it's not over, it's still an issue. They've then got the difficult by elections, yeah. which is going to fuel that. They've then got the ongoing crisis around costs of living and the summer. And it will just go on and on and on and on. So what he really needs is a comprehensive win. Mm. Uh, and that's just not my, you know, that's just the fact of the matter for yeah. him to then come out and say, it's over, it's done. So what two thirds? Well, say. he's going to need to do better than Theresa May did yeah. uh, it, it, when she faced the, uh, a similar vote and she got 63%. Yeah, I think it's 63 The reality of Westminster is if he fails that, if he gets, you know, if he's in the 50s, if he's in the low 60s, we know how people will respond to that. They'll say it's on a knife edge, it's too close, you know, we've got the by elections coming, and it will go on and on and on.
0: But, Daniel, to me, I mean, this is just a dream for the opposition. I, I yeah, just
2: think I mean, you're, you're I handing. You saw, I saw on, twi- on, on Twitter there's a, a note that's been going around, Conservative MPs full of criticisms of Boris on a WhatsApp group. And then it appeared on Twitter where I saw it. And I read it. Now, this must have been written by the Labour Party or the Liberal Democrats. This is, this is exactly what the opposition has been saying about Boris. And I really don't expect Conservative MPs to be writing the script for the opposition. And I think there's a huge number of party members out there who are really, really upset with these, uh, with many of these MPs because they do want the party to get together and, and, uh, and they do support Boris, large numbers of them, party members. There's even a straw poll in the con-home, uh, conservative home this morning. They do support Boris and they do want the party, most of all, to stick together and stop fighting. And going around attacking each other like this is way over the top. But that's the, the existential problem for the party potentially here,
4: is that if Boris goes and is replaced with, you know, a sort of pre-Brexit continuity candidate, I think it is almost inevitable, actually, that the right in British politics will fragment. And I think a lot of these disillusioned Boris Johnson supporters... Uh, party members and others, will start to rally round the the new equivalent of a Brexit party, of a UK independence party, whatever you want to call it. And I think that will be one of the consequences of where we are. And that will take us through the 2020. I mean, it's
3: fascinating because two years ago, we were talking about very realistic um, potential that the Labour Party could split into. Now, I'm not saying that's not Ever and off the cards mm. in the Labour Party. We love a split. But actually, now it really is much, much more focused on, on the fact that the, the right is made up of two very, very different groups of people. As, I mean, as, as, uh, as, as Daniel yeah. said, yeah, it's more than two, but there's two kind of significant polls. And they are, at the moment, seemingly completely irreconcilable. Well,
4: if we were in a PR system, the Labour yeah. Party would be, you know, Corbynistas Easters and sort of centre left, you know, third way types and the conservatives would be sort of you know a, a liberal conservative party and a kind of more populist right party yeah. but because we're in the first past the post and we've got left and right being sort of forced to kind of keep these coalitions together, the tensions are endless. But I
3: also think it's quite interesting philosophically, because if you look at the sort of... I mean, the fundamental difference between the left and the right is the right is very much about individualism, individual rights, and sometimes that's something I can agree with, even mm. though I'm on the left and sometimes it's not. Left is about collectivism, and, and collectivism is basically about compromise. And so I think it's quite interesting that they, that they both have these splits... But I think there's kind of a sense in the left that we're a bit more used to compromise, whereas in well, the right, there is a kind of sense... Well, I mean, a bit more used to We speak. hate it, <laughs> <laughs> and, we're, and we're very good at fighting. I've always said the left will fight each other. if, uh, you know, They'll fight the right if they have to, but they'd much rather fight yeah. each other. Um, uh, but did actually, you just say, with a straight face, that you
0: think the left are good at compromise? <laughs> yeah. I, I, so I do. I think, the, le- I think the
3: left are more... U- I said what they are is more used to compromise, because that's what collective politics traditionally was about. Yeah. And individualistic politics is not about compromise. It's very much the nature of the beast. But I think what's fascinating is that there, the, the last five years, that's been flipped on its head. And the, the very individualistic sense of Corbyn's my guy on the left, and the very sort of collective sense of Boris is our guy on the right has, has kind of really, really messed that up.
0: But I I think there's an interesting uh, theme coming through as well. So someone... I I must say I might get your pronunciation of your name wrong. I think it's... uh, Souks, I think, is your name. Um, You've said, Michelle, my view is simple. No Boris, then no vote from me. I've waited over 30 years to place my ex on a vote for the simple reason that there was never anyone I felt worth voting for until Boris Johnson. And what I will say is, um, Daniel, I do think that Boris Johnson galvanised a a segment of um, the electorate who were probably quite politically disengaged before Boris came along. They, They probably wouldn't sit there and go, yeah, I'm a Tory, Tories till I die or whatever, but they would sit there and say Boris Johnson, whether it was Brexit or whatever, but the personality of Boris Johnson was something that they bought into and actually brought them into... Uh, Politics, And I wonder, if he wasn't there, uh, what would happen to those people? Because I'm not actually sure they would go somewhere else. I think they'd probably just duck out.
2: I think you've you've put your finger on something there. I mean, not only did Boris bring together a sort of coalition of conservatives, which he's held together at least until now, um, uh, other party leaders, other conservative party leaders, would have had to do that. Um, But he's also got this extra magnetism on top of it, which is a personal quality of his, that appeals to an awful lot of voters. There's just this amazing frisson when Boris appears on the street or whatever, and there's constant people coming up to him asking for selfies and things like that. They just want to be sort of close to him and, um, and, and be seen with him. And it's, it's, it's a personal magic he's got that I think is very, very rare in politics and immediately you know, irreplaceable at the moment. But I think, just to come back to this point, you know, we ought to stick with Boris partly because... What are we plunging into? No, we're going off the edge of a cliff. Even lemmings know they're going off the edge of a cliff. The, it, it seems to me many of these Tory MPs don't even know that they're going um, off the edge of a cliff or what they're doing. But because just, just... Who is going to have the qualities... That, that, is, that are needed to win a general election and
0: that is a in good, this really
2: just, difficult and that is a good question coming out of a pandemic mm. and a lockdown.
0: And now. I want to pose that to you at home, by the way, because after the break we'll be literally focusing just on that, which is who who next then? Uh, you know, if Boris Johnson uh, goes, which I don't think he will, but, you know, let's assume that he does, who? Who, who do you want to see there? Uh, let me know your thoughts, gpviews at gpnews.uk. Um, but so many people are literally coming in... Um, Again, that sentiment that I was just explaining um, about, you know, I do think it's a bit of a media witch hunt. I don't know if you saw, I think it was yesterday. uh, It feels like ages ago now. But I think it was yesterday when uh, Boris Johnson and and Carrie's wife were arriving uh, at St Paul's, was it? And the media was just absolutely adamant. Listen to Boris Johnson being booed. Listen to him being booed. I might even have a clip of this. Listen to this. Now, look, I don't know if your ears work differently to mine, but when I listened to that clip, yeah, there might be a few randoms booing at the start or whatever, but that's, to me, I heard more cheers. And anyway, the whole point is, in this country, we have different political uh, perspectives and persuasions. If we didn't, we just have one single political party. If we don't, we have different ones. And at the end of the day, there's nothing wrong with being divided. So why did so much of the media focus on, oh, is Boris being booed when he wasn't? He had a couple of boos and a couple of cheers and a mixture and a mixture is exactly how it should be now coming up at seven o'clock Nigel Farage uh, is going to be live from Westminster Um, I've got to say there's some interesting odds being thrown about when it comes to Nigel but guys just before I do hand to Nigel and get his thoughts on things um what do you think to that Emma when you when I play you that clip and people are doing headlines such as look at Boris being booed
3: you don't surely listen to that clip and think that was booing I mean, there was booing there. There was more booing than I'd expect at a jubilee festival, to be honest. But, I mean, and that is a news story. And that other people cheered is probably also a news story. And let's see both sides of it. If you want to celebrate the division, then we have to show both sides. Mm. Your thoughts on that whole boo gate?
4: I'm not really that bothered about boo gate, to be honest. I think, you know, if you look at... All of these incidents that we've had, they tend to polarise different sides of of the political divide according to how people already think. I mean, the more interesting reaction, I thought, this evening, listening to reports of Boris Johnson going into the 1922 committee, trying to make his case, um, you know, a lot of people saying there was an enthusiastic response, others saying that actually his real problem is among the 2010 intake, kind of more recent MPs who perhaps feel like you know, he was this great big promise that, that, in their eyes, has has not delivered everything that they were hoping. I mean, let, let's just look at what the margin of the uh, result is uh, this evening. We never know. We might be in for a shock. You know, it might either be a massive majority for for Johnson or it may be the opposite, and I think that's going to... Uh, ultimately determine where we go from here.
0: Well, Siobhan on Twitter says the Conservative Party are gravely mistaken if they think that they will lose the next election with Boris in charge. In her view, it is quite the opposite. And Tim on Twitter says, Michelle, Boris may be a clown at times, but he is the best clown in the circus. Make of that what you will. Now, I've got to say, we're focusing our attention tonight on all of the shenanigans that are going on around the confidence vert in Boris Johnson. I've been asking you your opinions. Chris says, Michelle, I'm sick of hearing that Boris got all of the big decisions right. From May 2020, it was clear that his COVID strategies were a catastrophic mistake and he continued anyway. Boris must go. He's got none of the big decisions right. Perhaps, instead, he says, maybe on Ukraine only. Lots of you say, Michelle, why do you keep saying that Boris couldn't deliver on levelling up because the country was closed, when in fact it was Boris Johnson who closed the country? Well, I've got to say, uh, if you've listened to this show before, you will know that I I think it's appalling the way that we went into lockdown, but nonetheless, we did. And if you lock something down, you can't really invest your time and energy and effort on balancing it back up again. Uh, Right, let's look at what happens next then, shall we? I think the vote is due currently to end in about an hour or so. Um, I think we get the results, the reaction, about half eight, nine o'clock, something like that. What do we think to this? Um, Was the timing of this right? We've just been discussing that. We've got by-elections coming up in June, haven't we? Some people say perhaps we should have waited for that. Some people say that Boris is going to sail through tonight. It's not going to be a problem at all. Daniel Moylan, Um, first things first, I mean, we've just been discussing, we've got this vote tonight. We get the outcome at about, say, half eight, nine o'clock. If he's won, it's just business as usual. I suspect. Off you go. Yeah.
2: If he's won, even by one vote, in my view, he'll carry on. And I would hope that MPs would actually accept the result of a democratic vote that they have called for. Um, and I think a lot of them will, because a lot will recognise that they're just damaging the Conservative Party, and that the time now to the general election should be spent in unifying around the Prime Minister and not trying to tear him down. That's what I'd hope would happen.
0: What if he loses? Um, right. If he
2: loses, then there would be a, a vacancy for the leadership of the Conservative Party. And um, just like happened you know um well not like happened with Theresa May but there would be a vacancy for the leadership of the Conservative Party and then the um, 1922 committee headed by Sir Graham Brady mm-hmm. would call for nominations and there'd be a period of a, a week, I don't know a week maybe yeah. for people to put their names forward for uh, who feel that they could replace Boris Johnson it's a, be a thin list I think but uh, a lot of people put their names forward uh, under that impression and then what would normally happen is that over a period of several weeks, nothing happening, the government isn't working at all, but we plunge the country into this choice of, um, you know, several weeks of hustings where they oh, take votes... I can imagine. I can just
0: imagine the it bottom now. person oh. is
2: knocked out and then they do it all again. And so if you have eight people standing, then you have eight rounds of hustings, it goes on for several weeks... And then what should happen, if you've got two left at the end, because they're only meant to pick two, not one, then you have um, uh, the members of the Conservative Party uh, are allowed to vote. And if you remember, when, when, when Boris was elected, that went on for weeks as he and Jeremy Hunt schlepped around the country, going from one place to another um, at, at hustings for party members. Mm. And it um, went on a very, very long time. We, we, how often can we really do this to the country as a Conservative Party, and expect yeah. to be forgiven.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, you mentioned that last um, last kind of leadership election, Matt, because this is the question: who would actually replace Boris Johnson? Jeremy Hunt. He's not been uh, backwards in coming forwards in saying mm. that he's keen on the job. Just looking at this on the members' ballot, for example, in 2019, Johnson got 66% of that vote. Hunt got 33. Mm. Who, in your mind, would be the the successor here?
4: Well, Jeremy Hunt has obviously um, put himself forward. Uh, I, my personal view is I think he's he's a bit of yesterday's um, man. He doesn't really represent the moment that the country's in. Uh, and I think probably many people who have supported Boris Johnson in the past would perhaps then either um, withdraw from politics altogether, which I think is a very distinct possibility, um, or would rally around somebody who is singing a more pro-Brexit uh, tune, uh, Nadim Zahawi, for example, pro-Brexit, has come out forcefully on issues around free speech, uh, which is obviously will be of interest to your viewers. What is um, PM Penny, material? Penny Mordant as well, um, also will throw her hat into the ring. Um, I mean, who knows? Um, was Boris Johnson PM material? I mean, there was a debate at the time about that. I think. But I think one of the things the Conservative Party would have to do during that leadership election and that contest is try and reconnect with the new voters that the party has. It cannot revert to pre 2016 conservatism. That's not really possible for the party.
0: On my screen, by the way, for those of you that are watching not listening, I'm um, putting up some of the runners and riders' odds. You've got Jeremy Hunt on five to one, Tom Tugendhat seven to one, Liz Truss seven to one, and Penny Morden eight to one. Emma. Who could be the next Prime Minister?
3: I mean, it's fascinating, isn't it? I think Matthew's right in his analysis that I don't think the Conservative Party can go back to the Cameroon style. Mm. I I think Jeremy Hunt would be the wrong choice for them. Um, If they want to choose that type of politics, I'd say Tom Tugendhat's probably a better choice because he's a fresher face, Mm. um, can bring something newer to it. Um, of all of them, the one that I think I have the most time for, I'm obviously not going to be part of this media electorate, um, would be Penny Mordaunt, who I think actually has quite a lot of vim, um, energy about her. I can... Um, she's got... What I think she has in common with Boris Johnson is that kind of real sense of of energy and fun and vision, I can see her taking that forward in a way that Johnson's just lost that really now. Well, Daniel,
0: this is your party. If Boris does go, who do you want to replace him or who would you want to replace
2: him? I'm even like Queen Victoria, and I'm not contemplating the prospect of defeat. I think Boris will win tonight, and I don't mind what margin he wins by. He will win tonight, and he will see it as his job and his duty to carry on being Prime Minister of this country. And if the Conservative Party... um, If there are Conservative MPs who aren't willing to abide by a a democratic vote, then they will have to face the the opinions and the judgement of their fellow Conservative MPs, a large number of whom, I think, will want to put this behind them and rally round. And whether they supported Boris or not, this is the only way... The best chance we have of winning the next general election is to be a united party and not a divided one.
0: Well, yeah, Lee on Twitter says, Michelle, this is not good for the country changing the leader every couple of years. Um, Max says, Michelle, I don't agree with any of your selections on the screen. Uh, He would put up Michael Gove. Um, Michael Gove. Janet says David Davis would get her vote. Uh, David Davis, is that one for you? Um, lots of you very split there down the middle in terms of should he stay or should he go or will he go or will he stay a real divide tonight Um, but thank you very much for your lots of you are enjoying the balanced debate by the way um, which is exactly as it should be some people like Boris some people don't like Boris some people want him to remain and some people absolutely do not I have to say though before we go because it is almost time to say farewell you know, what, what is the plan? Because so many people would be critical of Boris Johnson and the things that he's done or not done, as we've just been hearing, but where are the plans uh, for what? W- w- what are you going to do differently? And that is, for me, the bit that's missing. Did you want to say something? You've
3: well, got
4: I ten was just, seconds, I, OK, there? if he wins tonight, the easiest thing, the best thing that he should do tomorrow morning is come out and say, here are three new policies I'm doing immediately and include slashing tax as one of them. And if he does that, he'll reassure the right of his party and he'll be a stronger... Uh, Prime Minister as
0: well. Right, well, there you go. That's Matt's uh, view. Three policies. Tell me, what three policies would you want to hear? Paul has been in touch there. Michelle, please, can we sack everyone across all parties and start again? (laughs) Uh, hmm, I'll leave you to ponder that overnight. Right, that's all we've got time for, Daniel, Emma, Matthew. Thank you for your company and thank you at home. Have yourself a fantastic evening and I will see you tomorrow.